you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. The year is 2040. The retail industry is half of the size compared to back in 2020. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I'm Oliver Banks, your host, and this is episode 66. What do you think? Could the retail market be half of the size it is today in just 20 years time? Is that even possible? It seems pretty outrageous, but I think there is a chance it could be of that sort of magnitude. You see, I think sustainability is a big trend. I'm probably not going to surprise you there. You've probably thought that yourself, right? But I also think that when we really dive into sustainability, it could really significantly impact the retail market in such a sizable way, as you know, my slightly promiscuous uh, intro <laughs> alluded to just then. So absolutely, today in episode 66, we are going to be looking at the conundrum that is profit versus planet, a dive into sustainability, which is a big trend for the world, and it is a big trend for retail. But just before we do get into it, what do we mean by sustainability? I think often we're actually a bit confused as a, as a collective. We often confuse the word sustainability with environmentally friendly or environmental sustainability. But actually, if we're looking broadly, sustainability falls into three large groups. Environmental sustainability, social sustainability, and economic sustainability. Planet, people, and profit, essentially. Sustainability is not just about caring for the world. It absolutely is included in that. But actually, sustainability is about preserving our current way of life and status quo for future generations, making sure we don't screw it up today so tomorrow's buggered. You know what I mean? And it's an important point to consider because actually, I think the world of business has been very much focused on economic sustainability, profit first as a mindset, which means that the world continues to revolve financially speaking. Yes, I'm perfectly happy to take arguments that sometimes that doesn't work. And that's true. <laughs> you only have to look at the past couple of decades to realize that, right? So what I think we're seeing now is a shift where we're starting to become more concerned with environmental sustainability and social sustainability as well. But today I wanted to zoom in on our stereotypical term of the word sustainability and look at that environmental piece, because I do think it has some really serious implications for the retail industry. And I'm not sure if we're really thinking about them right at the moment. Yes, of course, we're seeing lots of initiatives being brought forward by large retailers. UK supermarket Tesco has vowed to remove 1 billion pieces of plastic packaging by the end of this year, by the end of 2020. Another UK-based food retailer that are making big environmental pledges are Iceland, who you may remember a couple of years ago had a big drive to eliminate palm oil in their own brand products. And actually, these two companies, Tesco and Iceland, I see as real leaders in this space. And I'm really looking forward to Retail Week Live, actually, 
which is happening on the 25th and 26th of March this year, 2020, where there's going to be a keynote from Iceland's MD, Richard Walker, and a keynote from Tesco's CEO, Dave Lewis, both on the subject of sustainability. Now, as a proud media partner for Retail Week Live, I'd really encourage you to check this out, particularly if you are interested in sustainability for retail and what that could look like for your business. So go and check it out, live.retail-week.com. You can find out a lot more about that, as well as about those two keynotes from Richard Walker and from Dave Lewis. And as a listener of the show, you get a 15% discount just by using the code RTS15, RTS for Retail Transformation Show, of course. So go and check that out. Make sure you take advantage of the discount. And if you're going or thinking about going, I'm going to be there and it would be great to see you. I think it's really interesting that the whole environmental burning platform that we find ourselves on has been really brought forward by just two key elements. Firstly, Blue Planet a television show run by the BBC, which really showed how much plastic waste is really damaging nature and wildlife. And then, of course, the rise of what I think can only really be described as the phenomenon, actually, of Greta Thunberg, who is very clear on telling us all that we're just not doing enough. And I'm inclined to agree. I don't think that we are doing enough. We're making some noises, but it needs to be a whole lot more And we need to be moving a whole lot faster. And that's what I think we will start to see over the next 20 years, which is why I'm putting out that big audacious claim that I think retail could halve in that time. So what I wanted to do is go into five reasons why I think that could happen and highlight a couple of opportunities that could allow you to transform your retail business and get on the front foot. So my five reasons as to why I think this could happen, and we've got five R's today. If you were listening to last episode, episode 65, where we were looking at how to build a transformation team, we had the five P's, if you remember. So today we've got the five R's. I'm not sure if everything is going to fall into such a neat little model going forward, but that's what we've got today, the five R's. And remember, if you don't want to take notes right now, you can check out the show notes page for today, which is over at obandco.uk slash 66. So you can find out more information about what I'm talking about. I've got a couple of videos up there. And of course, the details for Retail Week Live, as we just spoke about. So the first R is repair. Now, at present, let's be honest, all products are designed to break to some extent. We don't want things to last forever. As consumers, we do, but as businesses, we don't. We want things to break and we want that repeat purchase. Now, I remember a long time ago when I was at university learning about something called planned obsolescence. I'm not sure if it's a term that you are familiar with, but it's essentially, it's the idea that a product is designed to last only for a set amount of time and then break. And actually, you can design a warranty or a guarantee to sit around that. So you know you have high reliability when that warranty or that guarantee is in place. And as soon as it's finished, after that one year or two year period, the chance of it breaking, the probability of failure increases dramatically. And actually, that guarantee period is really carefully selected and engineered to make sure that that expected life of the product is covered safely and profitably. 
So good financial sustainability there. Just think about it from your own experience. Have you ever had a product break perhaps a month or two after the warranty expires? Annoying? Yes, absolutely. And actually, when you think about it, it probably, as I say, has been designed and optimized to last just enough time to see you through that warranty period and then, poof, it's gone and you have to go and buy something else, whether it's a a domestic appliance or an electronic gadget, whatever. Now, back then, it kind of made sense as a strategy and it's really designed to get people to buy more from you, as, as you can probably tell. But when you look through an environmental sustainability perspective, it's just not right for the greater good. And right now, In the present day, it tends to be easier to replace a product than to repair it. And as consumers, we prefer, on the whole, to throw something away rather than needing to organise maintenance or a repair or someone to come and fix it, right? And actually, we're just not very good at it either. Think about when you last tried to get a product repaired or fixed. Think about what that was like for just a moment. I don't feel that we're very good at being able to serve consumers and customers with a repair service. Let me tell you about the last repair that I tried to have done. It was for a dishwasher, which was in warranty. Actually, it was quite close to the end of warranty, so it failed just in the nick of time, if you know what I mean. So on the first visit, the service engineer turned up, drained the system of water and rebooted it. Now, I have to be honest, it was really frustrating because he came to fix a dishwasher, which obviously has water in it, but he turned up without any bowls, without any towels, without anything to mop up water. So he had to borrow that all from us as the, as the consumer. So that's not a great experience, right? So once he finished, it did work, which was great. But then after one use, it broke again. So we had to organize a second visit. So we had a new service engineer this time, who did exactly what the first one did in the same way. He also turned up without the right equipment. And the good news was, of course, it did work. But surprise, surprise, you can probably tell what is coming. After one more use, it failed once again. So let's organize the third visit. So this time we're back to the first engineer. He turned up, he had a very quick look and concluded that he didn't have the right part to be able to fix it. So he needed to go away and order it. And then when it came in a couple of weeks later, we needed to once again organize another visit for someone to come and fit it. So time passes and eventually this chap returns and he fits it on the fourth visit now. But it breaks after another one use. So he's got to come back again for the fifth visit. And this is actually my personal favorite because it's really quick. And he's clearly running late that day. So what he does, he pulls into my driveway, runs up to the door, drops in the note saying, we missed you, you weren't in, whilst we're watching from the window, by the way, and then drives off. Isn't that a great visit? Didn't even actually knock. So obviously that needs to be rearranged. And then he eventually comes back and spends about two minutes looking at it, calls it a write-off, and then that means a replacement's going to be ordered and delivered and we start again. So all of that repair work has been wasted. So now we have another visit for the replacement to come and it's delivered, but it's the wrong model. So then that then needs to be picked up and then the right model needs to be ordered and then the right model eventually, eventually gets delivered. So if you lost count there, that's a grand total for this one incident of nine visits. 
and countless phone calls from myself as the consumer to the company and then obviously within the company and between suppliers and so on as well. So you can probably imagine it just doesn't make sense right now. Now, in that instance, I appreciate that's kind of an extreme circumstance, but it's a true story. Now, there were multiple failure modes in there. Poor processes, lack of equipment, lazy engineers, poor parts availability and supply chain, and poor planning, and an appalling customer experience throughout. That does not encourage us as consumers to fall into a repair route. So that must improve. Repair is not profitable right now. No way should you have to visit a customer's house nine times just to get something working again. So, of course, companies don't really want to get involved. But I think if we are serious about saving the world, we have to change this. This disposable nature and culture that we have just isn't sustainable. Now, of course, there are absolutely some categories that are good at doing this. Mobile phones, for example, have this whole reconditioning process where they're checked to see if they're worthy and then they get repaired and reconditioned and sent on their way. The supply chain is set up accordingly. The operating models account for it and service engineers are hired and trained specifically for it. It's a regular part of their day-to-day way of working. So instead, think about what if our culture, our retail culture, grew into this sort of environment where it's expected to get things repaired. Service engineers and maintenance people are ready to support you and fix gadgets or garments or goods. What if we took lessons from the mobile phone industry and had that operating model set up to be able to successfully repair first time? So that would bring us to a world where, if you can imagine, when things break, they get fixed and they get fixed properly and profitably as well. You could even actually go as far as imagining a world where we have the Internet of Things that is actually monitoring what's going on and calling out preventative maintenance opportunities to mean that it never even gets to the point of breaking in the first place. Now, in turn, we would rely on the retail industry contracting and shrinking. Purely because as product lifetime increases, there need to be fewer repeat purchases. Now, this would shrink the retail market and at the same time, it would increase the market for repairs and maintenance and spares. Now, of course, it's a different skill set and an operation to a retail store, but it shows a changing world rather than a world where retail just explodes or implodes, I should say. Now, of course, some categories are going to be more impacted by this, but that's the nature of the beast, right? So that's the first big reason that the retail market is going to shrink. Repairs. Number two, rentals. Now, since Blockbuster declined, rental really became less and less popular. We wanted to own things. But under new companies like Rent the Runway, the rental market's actually increasing again. Essentially, consumers have the ability to try new products without having to actually spend out big on something new. But then they also get the benefit of being able to send it back and get another new thing. Ooh, shiny. Now, it's very useful here for products that you don't need all of the time. You know, party dresses, formal wear, suits. But it's also good if you want to have a new style. And I think we could start to see this in homewares as well, not just fashion. Now, this is going to reduce the size of the retail market, 
really as more consumers look to borrow goods and products rather than buy them. Now, a rental model still brings in revenue, absolutely. But it's very much a different business. Each transaction is smaller. And from a company perspective, it relies on understanding and optimizing the life cycle of the product, looking to extend that without the products becoming scrappy and needing to be replaced. You know, if you can get a product that is being used 10 times and you can squeeze an extra little bit and get another one use out of it, great. Look how much extra revenue you've got that is just pure profit. But to do this, the operating model really needs to shift too. For example, Rent the Runway's operation relies on dry cleaning. And in turn, they have had to develop into the largest dry cleaning business in the world. And now we're seeing more and more large retailers, established retailers, companies like IKEA or Adidas or H&M starting to experiment or looking to grow a rental business. So as we look to the future, product sales go down, but will we see IKEA becoming the largest sofa reupholstering company in the world? Maybe. Or perhaps Adidas will become the world's largest cobbler. It could happen. So rental could transform the retail marketplace, shrinking the number of product sales through traditional rental and really shifting and transforming operating models for this very different way of shopping and living. The third big reason is reuse. Now, of course, this has always existed, but it's really ramping up now. In the UK, we've had charity shops that have always traded secondhand clothing in a big way. eBay, of course, has opened up the secondhand market too, making it easy for consumers to trade with other consumers and get reuse from the products. Other services, Preloved, Gumtree and other websites have also promoted trading used products between consumers. But it's not even just second-hand products as well, right? Furniture upcycling has been a big trend over recent years. And with social media sites like Pinterest and Instagram, we've got more opportunities to be inspired than we've ever had before. We see fashion hacks to help people customise or personalise their clothing. So they get something new and exciting from a product that already exists. They can reuse it and get new life. But whilst all of this is going on, there are some areas of retail that, again, just feel wrong from an environmental perspective. Take baby or children's clothes. They're worn really only a handful of times before they're too small and they've got to be moved on, packaged away, disposed of, whatever. So I hope we'll start to see more reuse of these type of products that have a very, very short lifespan. Now, maybe that will fall into the rental market or maybe there's a big reuse opportunity in here as well. Now, reuse and secondhand products is obviously a big detractor from retail because it means that a new product is not being bought. However, I strongly believe there's a huge opportunity for retailers to really open up this secondhand market. Mostly today, it's done on a consumer-to-consumer basis. But just think, if you could open up that market and really make more of this theme, more of this reuse trend, you know, think how useful it could be for your existing customers that have bought products before that maybe want to trade up and get something new, as well as customers that are perhaps a bit more cost-sensitive than your usual price tag. 
And of course, there are big environmental benefits too, because there is no second product that needs to be produced or manufactured and then disposed of as well. So it's a win-win-win. The fourth big environmental trend that I think we'll start to see that really shakes things up is reduce. Now, if you've listened to the podcast for a little while, you may remember episode 16 and 17, where we welcomed Natalie Berg and Maya Knights to the podcast talking about Amazon. Now, in that episode, you may have heard that as consumers, we could be reaching a point where we get to peak stuff. Too much stuff. We don't need any more. We don't want any more. We don't have space for any more. And I think this is likely to become more and more true. If we look to the global trend of urbanisation, where we're seeing people living in city centres, we're talking about less space. And of course, less space means less stuff too. And I think we'll really start to see people becoming more aware of this. Will they look to one of these other business models, you know, rentals, something like that? Or will they just look to buy less stuff, less things, less products? And when you consider that people are being prompted by this increased environmental awareness, that we will start to see more people challenge themselves over whether they do need to actually make that purchase. Do they really need that extra product in their lives or could they do without? And of course, if they can do without, then we will safely assume that the retail market will contract. So the fifth and final trend or reason for why I think the retail market could contract over the next 20 years is about revealing the truth. So we can, of course, expect to hear more and more about environmental sustainability in the press, whether it's teenage activists like Greta Thunberg or TV shows like BBC's Blue Planet or other new initiatives. I'm sure we'll get more visibility of the status quo. I think we could absolutely start to see government legislation coming in that new products must advertise or label the environmental impact that they have to produce and to dispose or recycle. Similar to you may have seen on food, certainly in the UK, where we have the traffic light system for how healthy or unhealthy they are if they've got you know, a red light for the amount of salt that it has in. I think we could very much start to see that on products from an environmental perspective. And will this combined visibility, whether it's from a labelling and a traffic light system or whatever, or whether it's the teenage activist, will that combined visibility actually lead to more awareness of the issues and the impacts that we currently face? Probably, most likely. In turn, will we become increasingly responsible about how we look after our planet and how we buy things with a consideration of our planet? Hopefully. Will that result in more repairs, more rentals, more reuse, or even reducing the amount of stuff we buy? I think so. So, as we do reveal more of the truth and build more visibility, we will see the retail market evolve to become more sustainable and more environmentally friendly, but smaller. So those are my five reasons why I think the retail market will become more environmentally sustainable, but why that means it will significantly reduce or contract. But there are some very big shifts in there as well. It's not just a reduction, it's a change, it's an evolution. So we'd see more service engineers, 
rather than shop floor workers, for example. Those five reasons, again, were that we will repair more, we will rent more, we will reuse more, we will reduce what we do use, and we will reveal the truth and give more visibility. However, I do think there are two big challenges to becoming a more environmentally sustainable retail industry. First up, just by the very nature, environmental sustainability is anti-retail and vice versa. Retail is absolutely the opposite of environmental living. As an industry, it's our aim to sell more products. So there will be a natural resistance to wanting to reduce the amount of stuff that we sell. You know, just think of the competitive nature of our market. You know, if you are not willing to sell a black dress for £4 or a chicken for £2, I bet your bottom dollar that your competitor is. And then do you risk losing market share for doing the right thing? It's a tough decision. It's really tough, in fact. You know, who's going to be the one that blinks first? Be the leader, but also be at risk of all the others not following and gobbling up your market. But as Chris Brooke Carter pointed out in episode 63 of the Retail Transformation Show of the podcast, we are now entering into a world where environmental conditions and performance really could entice shareholders to take a slightly different view. Go and check that episode out. It was something I was really keen to talk to Chris, who is MD and SVP of Retail Week and the World Retail Congress. Really interesting conversation. But nevertheless, there is absolutely still pressure to deliver the short-term financial performance over softer benefits for the long term, where there's no clear financial return right at the moment. And of course, if you do look at discount retailers who, on the whole, are doing really pretty well in the retail market right now, they're very much promoting regular repeat purchases and visits to store. You know, we've got to a place where our culture says that fast fashion is essential because people do not want to be seen wearing the same outfit twice on Instagram. We've also got to a place where we strive to have the latest technology, even if it's only a slightly better screen or, you know, maybe it's a little tiny millimetre bigger. We want to get a new gadget or a new piece of technology, or maybe it's the latest feature for our smart home. All of these things are saying that we want to be continually churning the products that we own, which is not environmentally friendly. Whichever way you paint it, the best thing to do, unfortunately for the environment, is to not sell anything, right? Okay, maybe I'm being a bit facetious with that, with the future of retail, but you get what I mean. Environmentally friendly and retail are at polar ends of the spectrum. And I think that is going to be a big challenge. And the second big challenge is a cultural challenge. As a collective human culture, we're just not very good at hearing advice and taking action. You know, when change comes around, we can make a lot of noise, but it takes a lot more than that to make us do things differently. You know, I want to pull out an example about the environment that really demonstrates this, and that is littering. You know, we've been talking about not littering for years, right? No one ever has said littering is good, but still it's a problem. You know, we are where we are today. Trash and disposable rubbish litters, hedges and sidewalks and gutters of roads. Meanwhile, rivers are clogged up with waste. And surely there's no beach in the whole world that doesn't have rubbish 
and plastic continually washing up on its shores day after day. You know, maybe you need to cast your mind back to the 1950s and the 1960s where British charity Keep Britain Tidy started and wanted to promote this whole idea of don't litter. Well, they're still going strong. And actually, this year, in March and April, they're about to start a big advertising campaign called The Great British Spring Clean, all about stopping littering and tidying up our country. Or maybe you're on the other side of the Atlantic and you're thinking back to the 1970s with that Keep America Great advert with the crying Indian. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out the show notes page, obandco.uk slash 66. That's not a new concept, right? We've been talking about littering for a long time and we're still continuing to talk about it. In Australia, they've got this new, relatively new campaign called Hey Tosser, which is all about, yep, you guessed it, not tossing your trash. So it's always been a challenge to get people to put rubbish into the bin. So faced with the more complex task of becoming more sustainable, You have to really be realistic and wonder, how are we going to do that? Certainly in the short and the medium term, that's going to be another big challenge. So it's very easy to think that with all of the noise going on right now, things are going to be okay. But I think we need to do a whole lot more. And we must keep in mind that sustainability is not just about environmental sustainability. It does include social sustainability and it does include economic sustainability as well. Unless there is a really significant change in how business works, it's important that as retailers, we continue to churn a profit that keeps us alive. After all, we can't help anyone if we plough all of our money into sustainability and die ourselves in the process, certainly as a company, right? That doesn't lead to a sustainable world where things can continue. I honestly think that the retail market will have to contract if we are serious about becoming more sustainable as a human race. Will this be the next retail Armageddon? Well, I'm sure that's how it will be billed in the media, right? But instead, in its place, there are new business opportunities, whether it's getting into the rental market, or whether it's building up a service function in your operating model, or maybe it's opening up the second-hand market or helping people reuse products. What is going to happen is retail is going to evolve. It's not going to die, it's going to evolve. And as retailers, we must transform and adapt to make sure that we continue to stay fit for that ongoing marketplace. Do not look at the world of retail today and think that's the way it's always going to be because I guarantee it's not. So be ready to change things up and get ready for a very different looking retail in the relative short term, in the next sort of 20 years, I think we could be looking at this and talking about it a whole lot more. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Do you think I'm barking up the wrong tree? Is there something I'm missing? I'd love to hear from you. Whether it's on social media, call me out. I'm on LinkedIn. My name is Oliver Banks. Look me up. Or I'm on Twitter, Ollie underscore Banks, O-L-L-I-E underscore Banks. Or on Instagram, oliverbanks.uk. Or hey, drop me an email, oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And do remember to check out the show notes page, obandco.uk slash 66. Please subscribe to the podcast if you've not already done so. And I look forward very much to joining you on the next episode.
coming very soon. Bye for now.